Hello, I'm Josh Fennett, and this is The Big Interview on Monocle 24, our one-on-one show where people with fascinating lives, enviable careers, and plenty of great tales sit down and tell us how they got where they are today and what inspires them and makes them tick. My guest today is Alberto Alessi, the managing director, third-generation owner, and creative clout behind the lauded Italian design firm that bears his surname, Alessi. Born in 1946 in Arona, Italy, Alessi dreamed of being an architect, but joined the family firm the day he completed law school in 1970. His influence on the company and the design industry over the following decades was profound and transformative. By enlisting the help of artists and architects from Salvador Dali to Michael Graves and Aldo Rossi to Philippe Stark, Alessi buoyed his humble family factory into a household name that can still be read on the shiny metal surfaces of some of the late 20th century's most recognisable and ubiquitous designs. A gleaming army of corkscrews, bottle openers, alien-looking lemon squeezers and kettles that have helped to define the visual language of design today. Many of these pieces can be seen from tabletops around the world to the permanent collection of the Museum of Modern Art in New York. The author of numerous books and articles, Alessi is a senior fellow of the Royal College of Art in London, the winner of the Design Award for Lifetime Achievement from the Brooklyn Museum of Art, as well as a lecturer, commentator on the design industry and avid wine grower. Alberto Alessi joined me in the Alessi shop on Via Alessandro Mansone during Salone del Mobile in Milan. The first thing I'd like to ask you, Alberto, is uh, you're the third generation of a very important Italian company. But I wonder if you could tell me about when you were growing up in northern Italy, what you remember about your grandfather running the company and your father too. Well, the Alessi Company is located on, uh, on Lake Orta, a very small lake, 100 kilometers north from Milano and very close to Swiss borders. We usually say we are more Swiss than Italians. Um, yes, of course, I have a lot of stories about my father and my grandfather. For example, my grandfather, I remember my grandfather was the founder of Alessi. He was always very severe with me. I remember he was telling me, you should have been a notary. A notary is a kind of lawyer, official lawyer in Italy. Meaning probably he didn't believe in my possibility to run an industrial company. Then my father, of course, I have lived and worked much longer with my father. He has been the president of Alessi until a few years ago when he died. And I took his... uh, official position. So when you were growing up, do you remember the company as being the thing that your grandfather and your father went off to to work at? Did you think to yourself, ah, one day, one day that might be me? Uh, two elements may be opposite each other. One element is that Alessi had always to do with the industrial design. Since my father Carlo has been an industrial designer and he was the responsible for designing many Alessi products in the, during the 30s, between 35 and 45. He was the one to open Alessi to, in the early 50s, to open Alessi to the collaboration with other industrial designers and architects external to the company. The other point is that my feeling when I started entering Alessi, not necessarily working, already working, but... Uh, Understanding Alessi, well, my first impression was that the atmosphere was a bit too grey. 
Alessi at that time in the 60s was actually metal working company. Too great for my ideas, for my, for my dreams. And I read somewhere that you originally wanted to be um, an architect, but you ended up studying law and then you ended up going into the family company. Right. How did those kind of decisions come about? How did you end up taking over? My dream was to have the possibility to study architecture. But you know, I was the first son of my generation in the family. So in an Italian, very conservative, traditionalist company like Alessi, I knew my destiny would have been to run the company. I needed a compromise with my father, to find a, a compromise with my father. He didn't accept for architecture. He wanted me to study economics. Now, economics is exactly opposite to my wishes and to my world. And so, at the end, uh, we found a compromise in law. So, I spent uh, four years studying, graduating in law, almost for nothing, I must say. And you mentioned compromise with your father, which is something I find uh, interesting because for a lot of businesses, succession who takes over and at what point who makes the ultimate decision can be quite hard, especially if you're working with your family. Did you always find it easy working with your father? Not at all. It has always a fight since the first day, not really to the end, but close to the end, at least for 15 years. Listen, I started working in July 1970. Well, until middle 80s, it was a big fight. Also strange to me to understand because, uh, because at the end my father started being a designer in Foralesi. So why should he be so opposite to me studying more or less the same, uh, the same field? But it went like that. But maybe that was part of the success. You had the new generation and the old generation, both with lots of fresh ideas to drive the company forward. I want to ask you about um, materials now. So the company, as you mentioned, started out working only with metal in the 1980s or maybe even a little bit before you started working more with plastics. And as we move forward, I mean, you know, how important are these materials to the Alessi brand? You still see a lot of the metal work, but with your subtle changes on it. How important is that? Well, the matter is uh, Alessi until, uh, I may say, all 80s have been a metal Factories. We were only producing objects by cold forming metals. Then at the end of the 80s, uh, the story was that we started working with a new generation of young industrial designers, mainly Italian. And for them, for this kind of new designers, only cold forming metal was not enough to express their imaginary, their fantasy. So they were pressing and pressing Alessi opening in order to open a new direction, new production direction. And so it happened that we decided, okay, let's try to go also for plastic, which is our second material. We, will rem- we were and we will remain metalist, metallocratic. I don't know how to say, uh, metalloids. Yeah, metal workers, metallurgists. <laughs> um, another thing that interests me is um, over your long career, a lot of people have said some very positive things about you and your work. You've been described as the godfather of Italian design. But I have a, another question for you. What do you think Italian design is? What makes Italian design different from design somewhere else? 
the I think the the main characteristic is the fact that we accept to run more risks. Also, we you you know Italian design or Italian design factor is a very clear has a very clear phenomenon. Small companies very much specialized in some kind of work like metal for a lacy or lamps for my colleagues of illumination or or wooden furniture for the other companies, but very much characterized in a, in a kind of a quality work. And do you think it's a good time to be a, a factory in Italy? We're seeing the industry change so much, a lot of pressure from manufacturing elsewhere. Is enough being done, particularly in these hard economic times, to keep these small family businesses running? I think we are passing the, the very bad time. Uh, I've never worked in such a bad period in my career and we have no help from outside of course and yes producing in Italy becomes more and more difficult but this is also the nice side of the challenge. And one of the key changes you mentioned your father introduced collaboration but that's something that you have taken up and run with throughout your career, starting out with uh, artists and then some of the biggest names in design. How important was that to changing what Alessi is today? Well, what I did was uh, to, based on what already Alessi was, uh, it was to exaggerate with the number of designers I asked her to work with me. This was the main uh, contribution I did to Alessi. But it was also the reason why Alessi is, is today known as an Italian design factory, because uh, we are a kind of uh, workshop. I like to imagine Alessi as a kind of research workshop, industrial research workshop, into the field of this industrial design. And so we are, uh, in a way, we act a- as mediators between the best expression of design from all over the world, on one side, and the so-called marketplace on the other side. But you yourself have a big impact on the designs that uh, end up being made. I read a quote that said, you won't work with a designer unless he or she is a poet. Uh, What did you mean by that? I mean that our uh, real activity or our work is to try to produce poetical and artistical products. If we are only looking for function or for price, there are so many other companies able to do the same work, even better than Alessi. But I do believe there is a need for art and poetry through even through industrial manufacturers today in the market, and this is the role of Alessi. And Alessi's beautiful products can be seen in kitchens, places, exhibitions all around the world and it is known as a design company. I wonder if you think there's a big difference between design and art, because poetry is obviously a kind of art. Where do, where do you draw the line when you see something? Is it just have to be a beautiful form, and how do you...? I say that the designer, in order to work for a lesson, needs should need to be a poet or an artist, yes. But then it is a very different kind of poetry and art compared to the greatest arts. Um, an Italian philosopher called Gianni Vattimo was using the definition commercial arts. 
both for contemporary rock music, filmmaking, or design, or fashion design. A commercial art meaning that uh, at the basement, what we do needs to be of artistic nature. But it has also to be understood by a wider audience of uh, public, of people. There is, in my opinion, a difference with great art, where uh, great art doesn't need a market at the end, only a small number of uh, design, of art aficionados or art victims. And you mentioned an Italian philosopher, but you yourself could be described as an Italian philosopher. You've said in the past that good design can achieve equality, it can save the world. Why, why do you think that? What makes you think that good design can save the world? Maybe in this moment I was exaggerating a bit, but I do believe that if I continue to work, and I'd like to continue to work, is because I do. I'm convinced that with my job, with my work, I can contribute to make better our society of consumption. I don't want to cancel society of consumption, I can't. But to do it better, yes, I can contribute, and this is my engagement. And um, if we look at kind of retail trends and what we see around us, the idea of craft is becoming a lot more important. But you've been in the industry for decades and at the head of a very successful company. I wonder if you've seen any patterns over those years of people moving towards an idea, say craft, and away from it again. And if you think the industry is uh, changing for the better or worse or just repeating itself with trends. I think, at least from what I can see, from my angle, that industry is very similar to herself. At least the industry I know since 50 years. But open to innovations, but the innovation they arrive to industry very, very slowly. And I think a lot of our listeners are very interested in the idea of business as well as design, and you've got a lot of experience in running a business as well. What are some of the lessons that you've learned since you've been in charge of the company? Anything that you could offer to people as advice or even just a, a funny story about when you were taught a lesson? One of the, one of the maybe the best lesson I can uh, give to people is that you, they don't have to worry about failing. The fiascos, the flops, are very important. You learn from flops much more than from big successes, very frequently. And in my career it was like that. You know why? Because we, I do believe, we are working, I have the feeling that we, as an Italian design factory, we are working on a very subtle borderline, dividing the area of possible from the area of not possible. The area of possible products which are, will be understood by people, final customer, they will be ready to understand, to love, to accept, maybe to buy. And the era of not possible being represented by new projects, people is not able to understand, so they will never buy. Well, we live in this very difficult era. The problem is that uh, the borderline is not clearly drawn. You cannot see with your eyes. And by sure, you will not understand with the marketing research. You can only feel with some qualities which are, um, in my opinion, typical of human beings, but not of industry today, not of industrial world. Having understood that, real mass production companies, what they do, like TV producer or uh, 
car produce. They try to work as far as possible from the borderline, so they don't risk to fall into the not possible area. But by doing that, they do not risk to fall into the not possible. But on the other hand, they are all producing the same car, the same television set. The world of industrial product is more and more boring and homogeneous. On the other side, from a list, for an Italian design company like we are, we are able to run the borderline, to stay on the borderline. Then uh, you can develop a project very close to the borderline. You m can create a kind of micro market which is only for you, a mono. Which culture. is exactly what Alessi has done. Which is what Alessi has done in the past. Of course, you can do that without risking. So you must be prepared to run risks and to have some flops. But the flops are so important because also because it is the only way when you do a flop, it is the only way to have a microsecond flash and you see where the borderline was. Very precious, not for the project itself, too late, but for your experience, extremely important. And I suppose a lot of that comes down to being willing to take risks, but also having a bit of a sense of humor and a bit of a kind of sense of self about these things. I read about a project with the surrealist painter Salvador Dali, which was supposed to happen in the 1980s. What, what happened there? That was an example of an idea that didn't end up coming to fruition. This was my very, the very first project I managed in Alessi, early 70s. I had the idea, just because of this grey atmosphere I was feeling at the beginning, in the first years, I had the idea to use my machines instead of producing these boring basket trays, oil and vinegar sets and so on, to produce art pieces, art multiples. An art multiple is a real sculpture, no function, no materialistic function at all, only like a sculpture Without the only difference that it was produced in uh, many, many, many pieces instead of being one only off. And so I launched this uh, second brand, which was called Alessi Pre, and I have produced uh, five or six uh, art multiples. It was a big fiasco, my very first operation, my very first design fiasco, and Ali was the seventh. But since it was clear to my father that the design, the, the malt art malt were a fiasco, he blocked me, stopped. But he, he was not able to stop me before I bought 50,000 of the hooks, which were part of the Lee, of Salvador Dali art multiples. And we still have the, the 50,000 hooks in our stock. One day they'll be worth millions. I, I have worked with hundreds of designers, but no one of them found a way to recycle the 50,000 hooks. And we're sitting at uh, Salone del Mobile, we're in your shop on the Via Alessandro Manzoni. How important is Milan to the industry? I mean, we're obviously here for the furniture fair, but is it, you know, kind of luck or is it the fact that the north of Italy is so important to the manufacturing industry that you, you were based so close, 100 kilometers away? Is this still an important area for the design industry, do you think? Both elements are true. On one side, it is completely true that all Italian design, almost without exception, is, happens in 100 kilometers around Milano. It is also a matter of fact that Milano has the Salone del Mobile, which is the most important event worldwide about design. 
It has still a lot of design and architecture magazines, which is also important. And uh, even today, less than in the past, a lot of extremely good maestros living and operating in Milano. These are very factual elements which help a lot. And another fact, another point is that uh, this uh, point of being small size companies or maximum middle size companies helps a lot to accept to run more risks. Of course, should I be responsible of a car industry, probably I will feel more uh, obliged to take care. But it's interesting because obviously design touches a lot of people's lives. People have grown up with your products in their houses. They've seen them from when they were very young. And Italy's been a centre of craft for hundreds of years, if not longer. But as the economic powers shift east and the buying power shifts towards, say, China, how does that affect a company like yours? Do you have to change your aesthetic to court a new market? Or do you open up shops there? How is the, the kind of economic shift influencing, like you said, these small to reasonable sized companies plus your own? Well, first I have to say that the eastern, uh, far east areas are still very little for uh, me and for all my colleagues. There is very little of uh, culture in terms of design to get uh, it popular there. So this is the point. We do a lot of efforts. We have a part of, even part of my family is living in Hong Kong, trying to de- develop the market, the, the Far Eastern markets, but still very little results. This is the point. The other point is that, uh, yes, we have many Far Eastern designers working for Alessi, but not necessarily in order to touch this market, because this is a, another characteristic of Italian design factories that we express in our cattle very different cultures. In a way, this is part of our richness. Even today, you are looking for the best French design. You are very frequently obliged to go to open the Italian design factories catalogs. So, in part, we use a Far Eastern design, but not necessarily because we want to sell more in Far East. And you mentioned earlier your first, uh, when your dad got very angry at you, your first uh, flop, as you called it, in the design process and within the business. I wonder if there's an Alessi item, uh, we're surrounded by them here in all of their glory. I wonder if there's an Alessi item that you think was conceived perfectly or that taught you a lesson about good design or where the risk really paid off and, uh, and was successful. Well, difficult to answer because now we use, since years, we are using the formula. The formula is a mathematic model which uh, helps us to understand when we have a new prototype in front of us to understand very clearly which could be the result of the marketplace. But before that, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe the Jewish Sharif Squeeze by Philip Stark was a good example. Or even another bestseller of Alessi was, uh, still is, the Corsco Energy designed by Alessandro Mendini. I remember very well when I proposed it to the special committee of the company. Within the committee, there are all family members. Uh, all the rest of the family was against. They didn't. They thought it was a joke. But at the end, I insisted a bit, and uh, it became uh, probably the most successful Alessi product in the past 20 years. So if we move beyond design just, uh, just a tiny bit, 
design's not your only passion. Uh, you recently uh, bought, a, bought a vineyard and uh, turned your hand to winemaking. Can you tell me why you went about that and, uh, and well, then how you got into uh, it? Well, the reason is that uh, I always loved wine. But from the other side of the, of the user of the drinker. Then, 20 years ago, I had the occasion to buy a very old farm on Lake Horta, where I am living, and close to the factory. And in this farm, they were producing wine for centuries, but stopped 100 years before, completely stopped. And then I thought it was a good idea for me to start to make real a dream of me since when I was... a a teenager, and I don't know why. I always dreamt to, to be a wine producer, and so I started. Now I have the whole complete process from growing to, to the process of making the wine, keeping the wine for three years, and then presenting and selling, and I am very proud of it. I must say I am producing the best Burgundy out of France, let me say that. The best burgundy outside of France. Yes. Well, that's a, a, a yes, good yes. claim. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to try it. Yes. And um, finally, uh, you know, the industry, the design industry, is going through a lot of changes. There's a lot of technological innovation. Um, I wonder how you see Alessi growing for the future, and what you think it would look like. Well, it was started in 1921. So let's say, what will Alessi look like in 90 years' time? That I don't know. Um, by sure, we are open to new possibilities, new, new possible methods of production, our methods are very basic. And if you look back to the past 50 years, no important uh, innovation, apart the laser. Laser machines were new in the past half a century, the only really new thing. For the future, of course, we are looking to, uh, with a lot of interest to the 3D modeling in metal. But still, it is not accessible for us, it is too expensive. But surely in a few years it will become a tool that we can use, in particular for the higher part of our production. I mean, the more difficult to understand, the more sophisticated, with less possible customers, uh, in order to you understand if we have to invest, I don't know, 100,000 euros to make a nice vase, and this vase is too difficult for normal people, then this investment will never come back. If instead we can use the 3D printing, that's another story. So not now, to be clear, absolutely not now, but in the future I have a big hope there. And another, another way of research is the IOT, Internet of Things. This one is still more difficult for a company like Alessi. Yeah. But we'll see. But you're willing to take the risk still? Yes, sure. You've been listening to The Big Interview with me, Josh Fennett, in conversation with the one and only Alberto Alessi. The Big Interview was recorded by Toby Hammond, produced by Bill Luti, researched by Guy Lutz and Charlie Young, and edited by Nina Norick. Don't forget to subscribe to this and our many other programmes on Monocle24. They can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud or, of course, at monocle.com. Until next time, all that's left to say is goodbye and thank you very much for listening. Listening.